you kind of have to be a bit of a chameleon when you're working event production on the back end in order to be a part of the client's team, right? You're like an extension of them. So yes, energetically, things can be a little crazy and there's a lot of moving parts and a lot of different personalities to deal with. Now we're going to plan everything the best we possibly can. However, we know things happen. We know that events are a living, breathing entities all their own, that you can do the same event year after year after year and it's going to be completely different every single year because you are showing up differently. Your audience is showing up differently. Your event hosts are showing up differently. The world is different. The world pre-pandemic and how events were run to now is completely different. Welcome to Events Demystified Podcast, where we explore and demystify the world of in-person, virtual, hybrid event AV production and technology by sharing insightful tips, tricks and tactics to make your events a success. This podcast is brought to you by TreeFan Events, a woman-owned boutique event production agency. And your host is Anka Trifan, a technical event planner and producer with almost two decades of hands-on technical experience in event production. Welcome, friends, to another episode of Events Demystified Podcast, your one-shop stop for tangible, technical, and planning advice for anyone in the events industry. Today's episode is sponsored by Trifan Events, a woman-owned boutique production agency, and I am your host, Anka Trifan. As we continue to highlight some amazing women behind the scenes and in front of scenes in events and event productions, on the show with me today, I have Shay Wheat, a certified event producer and creator of popular programs such as the Powerful Event Process, the Ultimate Event Planner Certification Program, and CEO of Grace and Ease Productions, which supports clients in creating powerful and profitable in-person and live virtual events in collaboration with many well-known celebrities such as Dr. Oz, Lisa Nichols, Dr. Claire Samet, Bill Barron, Allison Prince, Josh Turner, and many others. Shay and her her team assists speak to sell clients to be extremely profitable with their events while handling all the planning, speaker and sponsor support, as well as the production of virtual live and in-person events to create experiential revenue generating and exciting events for attendees. You can learn more about all the things that Shay and her team is doing by following the links in the episode notes. And in the meantime, let's welcome our guest in. Welcome, Shay. It's so good to finally have you on the air. We have talked about this for a little while. How are you doing today? I'm doing phenomenal. I'm so glad we finally found the time. It's been a busy busy event season, I'll tell you what. You think, you know, that event planners and event producers have all the time in their world because they make their own schedule not so fast this season. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. No, the 
the opportunities are amazing out there. We just uh, get to be the amazing businesswoman in order to find them. Well, I'm super excited to have you on the air and talk about revenue generating events and of all things, you know, virtual events that you've had such success with. So before we get into the three main topics of our conversation today, which are best events to help scale your business and leverage your time efficiently, the best event phases to make you lots of money and strategies to connect with future clients and fill up your events with predictability. I would love for you to take a moment and share part of your journey, your upbringing in the event industry and maybe story of resilience, the journey that you've taken so far to become the event professional that you are today and the passion that drives you. Yeah, absolutely. So I like to kind of feel the universe ended up putting me on this path. So originally I was going to become a medical doctor and I'm sitting there. My parents still dream of me doing that. I know. So instead I'm marrying a doctor, but not that kind of doctor. It's a doctor, close enough, right? (laughs) But yeah, I'm sitting there doing organic chemistry saying, fudge, this is not how I'm supposed to help people. And I ended up, you know, starting the journey and going through like, what is it? What am I good at? What do I enjoy doing? And in that journey, I kind of fell into event production. How did the world did that happen? So I was in a network marketing company. I was managing an apartment complex. I was a Reiki master. I'm trying all the things, right? I'm trying to see what it is. And so I'm out there speaking on a stage, new year, new you, and was all about appreciation marketing. And in that, I was kind of messing around with the guy in front of me because they would swap the microphones back and forth in between all of the speakers. I'm like, hey, dude, don't go spitting on my mic. (laughs) And he's like, oh, my God, you're hilarious. Who are you? You come to find out he was the head of education for Dr. Oz's nonprofit. That was there locally in the Sacramento area in California. And I'm like, oh, wow, I actually met Dr. Oz's sister, Saval, at Maria Shriver's women's conference where I was helping them out. And he's like, wait, hold on. She's best friends with our CEO and we're doing a women's conference. You should help us. And I went, okay. (laughs) Talking about being in the right place in the right time, right? Yeah. So they asked me to be an associate producer. I was in charge of over 70 speakers and over a hundred volunteers. And I'm like, that's a lot to start with. (laughs) Right. That's, that's your first gig. So, you know, from there I was like, huh, I kind of have a knack for this. Maybe I should look into it further. And sure enough, you know, I ended up doing some research and finding an event that would help me figure out my niche and figure out my business and who I need to serve and so on and so forth to the point now where we get to play with some really big leaders and influential people in the marketplace. I'm really, really excited to be where I'm at today and where we're going. I love it. Well, I'm curious, though, at the time when you were doing this research, did you feel like you had to step out of your comfort zone into pursuing this new professional avenue of a stream of income, a business that you're like, this could be a business that I could be working on and doing and be successful at? And did you feel like you had enough resources? 
Yes, it was extremely outside of my comfort zone. I had absolutely no clue what I was doing, where I needed to go, how I was going to get clients, how to even start a business, what a business looked like. I had done a few things in the past, like I said, network marketing and little things here and there, but really owning a business I had no clue about. And like I said, I was an apartment manager of an apartment complex. That's how I paid my rent. Like I had no money coming in. In. I had barely enough coming from that in order to like feed myself and feed my cats. And so I was searching, I was looking for what is this next best step in my life? Because that was right after the major crash and where I'd lost the homes and I had lost the money and I had lost the cars and I ended up staying in my parents' barn where the horses were and where the tack, like my clothes were right next to the horse bridles and the horse brushes. Talking like, about heating it, rock bottom, right? That was like the that, That's the best place to low. be to go up. All I could do was go up. That's the only way. And so anytime the universe brought something in my path, I went, okay, great. Yes. And let's figure it out. So when he was like, you should help us. I said, okay, great. I love it. <laughs> I figured it out, right? And I would ask for help and I would draw upon all of the opportunities I had before me. You know, I mentioned I had supported the Maria Shriver Women's Conference as a volunteer where I was seeing how they were doing things behind the scenes and how they were engaging with their speakers and how they were engaging with their volunteers and how they would set up a handbook for them so they knew what they were doing in the meetings. And like, I just drew upon all of that knowledge because I love events. I've always attended events. I've always been going to personal development and business growth because it just always had some interest for me. And when this presented itself, this opportunity, I was like, huh, you mean I could actually get paid to attend events and support them and getting crazy awesome results for the client and the attendees all at the same time? Okay, let's look into this a little bit more. And then I searched for the mentors and I searched for the support people invested in business coaches in order to get me to my next step. I love it. I feel like everyone that probably has dwelled in started in events has at one point potentially started as a volunteer somewhere. I remember when I first got so fascinated by the world of productions and sound engineering and video productions, I was always the woman that would go behind the scenes and talk to all the people, you know, behind the scenes. And sometimes I would even get asked, I'm like, do you always go and talk to the people behind the scenes? I'm like, if I must, yeah, like I want to meet them. That's fascinating to me. I want to know more about that world. I want to ask them questions. I want to know what they're doing and how they're doing things, you know, and that's the best way to really get on a path toward your dream. If that is what drives you and you're passionate about. So our conversation here. So how did you start then? Or how did Grace and his productions come to be from this journey? Yeah, absolutely. So as I mentioned, I had invested in some mentors and some business coaches helping me figure out what is my niche, doing some market research, how can I support people, what does the business look like? And out of that market research, we ended up figuring out that, you know, I had the event production background. I also had um, a Reiki master, which is an energetic healer. So how can we kind of combine those two things? Events can be a little crazy. I don't know if you've experienced that. Oh, but... never. <laughs> happening with events. 
And so, we have to touch on one event that we actually worked on together. Not not the two of us, but I work with your team. Yeah. Where I definitely thought that that was gonna take me into a different level of different. I wouldn't yeah. say crazy, but different. <laughs> yeah, a totally different energy, totally different vibe. You just are interacting with the audience in a different way. How they're showing up. You kind of have to be a bit of a chameleon when you're working event production on the back end in order to to be a part of the client's team, right? You're like an extension of them. So yes, energetically, things can be a little crazy. And there's a lot of moving parts and a lot of different personalities to deal with. So Grace and Ease Productions came about because what we tend to do and bring forward in everything is how can we do this with as much grace and ease as possible? Now we're going to plan everything the best we possibly can. However, we know things happen. We know that events are a living, breathing entities all their own, that you can do the same event year after year after year, and it's going to be completely different every single year because you are showing up differently. Your audience is showing up differently. Your event hosts are showing up differently. The world is different. The world pre-pandemic and how events were run to now is completely different. Well, not completely. I would say 80% of the fundamentals are still the same, but 20% has changed in how we actually connect with the audience and what is the platform and things of that nature. So Grace and Ease Productions came about by just giving crazy awesome value to our clients and then coming back to us going, gosh, that was really kind of graceful or that was done with ease. I'm sure you were like paddling like crazy, like a duck underwater, but you just kind of seemed to float across the room. And that's kind of how we came up with our name. I love it. Now, while you're producing the in-person and virtual events, and, you know, based on some of the information that you share with me pre-show, anywhere between 50 to 4,000 attendees, I recall you mentioning how recently one of your clients ended up generating over $2.1 million in one virtual live three-day event, which obviously begs the question, how can virtual events be used in a business revenue growth strategy in such a successful manner? And what are some of the secret ingredients for a virtual event to generate that type of money? Yeah. Amazing question. That's what the million dollar question. That is the million dollar, literally the million dollar question, (laughs) especially for that client. Right. And not all of our clients do million dollar events, but they're doing multiple six figures, half a million, a million, $1.2 million. And the reason being is we are strategic with how we're utilizing the event. So there are a number of different event types that you can be utilizing in your business. And depending on where you're at in your business, you're going to be utilizing those different types of events in a certain manner. But if you were to even take a look at it from more of a 30,000 foot view, how do events fit into your business plan is what we start with. We always start with the end in mind, whether it is looking at the event itself, whether we're looking at the business that you have, what is the end result? So for everybody in business, you have to have clients. A lot of our clients have our speakers, coaches, experts, and they are looking to bring people into their masterminds, into their year-long coaching program, something along those lines. So the end result is to bring them into their program. Now, how in the world are we going to be doing that? We utilize a number of different types of events to bring them into your space. One of them being a three-day sales and enrollment event. 
So with any kind of client and customer journey, they are interacting with you. You end up seeing if it's a good fit for both them to work with you and you to work with them. You make the offer to continue working with you. You now have a client once they say yes, and then you fulfill upon that promise. So in that scenario of that client journey, we are utilizing a three-day sales and enrollment event in place of the strategy session of them interacting with you to say, okay, are you a good fit for me? Am I a good fit for you? Does this make sense? Is this your next best step? Okay, great. Here's the program. So in that three-day sales and enrollment event is how we're able to support our clients in creating a $1.2 million payday. It's through the creation and the arc of that event. It is the community building. It is the interaction and the engagement. It is showcasing what it looks like to work with you full time or in a, in a year long program that we are showcasing and building that rapport and relationship. So that is one of the ways that we support our clients is in a three day sales and enrollment event. Well, let me just tell you from experiencing one of those events, and it was one of the productions that I was part of a month or two ago, I believe. And to me, it was fascinating to be taken, even though, you know, I was behind the scenes and doing all the things and keeping myself busy, but just like tapping into, you know, listening to what was going on in the ballroom. It was fascinating to see this journey that you're basically taken on a journey as the potential new client. and the art through which that happens and realizes it was beautiful. It was different. It was like, I was looking at the two women, the speakers that were on stage and I was like, man, I wish I was that persuasive at their age when I was their age, because I would have been so far along by now because they had so much art and talent in the way they were taking their potential future customers and clients on this journey. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't forced. It came natural and it was beautiful and I was like my gosh like that's an art yeah. like I wish we could paint this journey somehow because it's an art you know and it was something else from all the other events that I've been part of and I've worked and I produced myself it was different and it was just like one of those things where like wow I'll remember this for a while because it was so out of the box different mm -hmm. yeah so it is like you said it's an art it's a science to it right I like to think of it kind of like a movie right especially when we're like doing the storytelling of like the, the whole story. arc of the storytelling exactly exactly that's exactly what it is we are taking the clients or the potential clients on a journey we know anytime you're hosting an event there should always be an event promise whether or not the client or potential client does business with you, by the end of the event, they are leaving with X, Y, and Z, right? We know that that is the promise. So we are making sure that we are absolutely delivering upon that. Along the way, our clients know where their potential clients are and where they want to go. The gap is the middle piece. And in that gap is we are creating that journey for them. We know how to, and a lot of the clients that we work with have probably been on that similar journey themselves to go from over here, I'm in pain, I'm suffering, I need to fix X, Y, and Z to going along the timeline and along that arc to the finale of this is what I want, this is where I need to go. And the gap is I don't know how to get there. And that's where the arc comes in, that science of creating the movie, so to speak 
of going from point A to, you know, point Z? And how do we support people in doing so? And we know that a percentage of people are like, thank God, yes, I'm raising my hand. You are the person that I've been looking for that's going to help me get there. We know a percentage of people are going to go, yeah, I can see it. I'm just not quite ready yet. And then there's a few that are just like, yeah, no, this is not for me, which is fantastic. It's a decision every single way. We like it. The thing we don't like is the maybe, I don't know, sitting on the fence, this is uncomfortable, stuck piece. It's either a clear yes, a clear no, and a clear yes, I'm going to when I get X, Y, and Z in place. It's like when I ask my six-year-old daughter, did you do this? And she's like, maybe yes, maybe no. (laughs) That should be a clear answer. Yes or no. There's not a maybe yes and no. (laughs) That's just straddling the thing. Yeah, maybe yes, maybe no. We don't like those people. (laughs) So piggybacking on the previous question, Shay, what is a common misconception that people might have about the ability to achieve such high value with sometimes limited resources when it comes to creating powerful and profitable live or virtual events? Yeah, absolutely. So a lot of people might think, oh my gosh, I have to do what the Lisa Nichols or, you know, the Tony Robbins are out there doing with these amazingly huge studios or hybrid events, you know, on hybrid event. You've experienced it. It's a lot. Yes. It's, you know, a lot of moving parts. And if you're just starting out, a hybrid event is not something I recommend, especially because if you're watching your budget, that's going to be the most expensive and the biggest hit on your budget. If you're just starting out and you're looking to create something that's powerful and profitable and not going to be a heavy pull on your budget, you're going to want to take a look at a virtual event. And when I say virtual event, I'm talking about like a virtual live event, right? Not Not pre-recorded event, right? This is something where your audience is with you. You can see them. You can engage with them you are able to not have it be a monologue. It is a dialogue. It's a back and forth communication, especially in the virtual space. You really have to break that fourth wall, that barrier that is in between you and your audience. There's a lot of things that can take them out of the virtual event and take them away from what it is that you're doing and you're sharing. So in your event, you need to be engaging. You need to be drawing on all of the senses. So I was just actually talking about this in in a masterclass that I was doing. You know, what are ways that you can engage all of the senses? I've had clients send a swag box that has essential oil in it. And what they do during the event is say, okay, go ahead and grab your essential oil, put a couple of drops on your hand, rub your hands, rub your hands, rub your hands together and inhale, inhale the scent. And you're engaging all of the senses as much as you possibly can. You're getting movement in there. You're getting them to type. You're getting them to chat with you. You're bringing them up for engaging on conversations. You're putting them in breakout sessions, all the different ways to keep them with you because you know the process. You know how to get them out of their pain. The only thing is on a virtual live event is keeping them with you, especially if you're doing a three-day sales and enrollment event. That's a lot of hours to be in front of your computer. And you and I sit in front of our computers a lot. 
right? And that's why we probably, you know, I have a standing desk. I know you do a lot of movement. I know you're into your health and doing different things because you are behind your desk for a long period of time. You need that stimulation. You know, like you said, like, I love the idea of like just stimulating all the senses just to be focused because it's not easy to stay focused for many hours in no end. And I've seen how engaged, you know, this audience was. And actually when we were working together on this uh, event that I talked about earlier was a hybrid event. We had an in-person audience that was very engaged. We had a virtual audience that was very engaged and we didn't lose them consistently. We had the same numbers the whole time. And it was fascinating to see that just because of that, like you said, element of constant stimulation, constant engagement to keep Mm -hmm. people wanting to be there. You're not forcing them to be there, but they want to be there because there's something that they want out of that particular event. Right. And you also want to make sure that you're bringing the right team in, right? So that's why working with somebody like yourself and working with somebody like me and my team, we are going to be layering those things into the run a show. And then when we bring in your genius, you know, you're coming from the tech side of things. So from technology, how do we have different camera angles? How do we bring people up so that you can engage with them? How do we have the chat on the stage? How do we, you know, see what's happening virtually and bring that into the in-person space and vice versa, right? Need both teams to really support you in creating that dynamic experience to allow your audience to stay with you. That's the way that you get to have the opportunity to make an offer and then they get to choose whether or not they're going to move forward with you or not in order to then create the powerful and profitable live event. I love it. Yeah. And this hybrid event was definitely like a two way, fully, you know, immersive, like we had conversation constantly between the in rooms with the virtual and virtual with the in room. And it was a constant flow of movement that was, like you said, done with ease and grace. And it didn't feel like forced or like, oh gosh, I have to be here and I have to be paying attention because what if I don't, or I'm going to miss on something. It was very, very nicely done. And I appreciate the genius behind that created a lot of that. So I wanted to touch a little bit on that, like before we take a short break here, when you mentioned how I, when I first introduced you, that you are a certified event producer, how is that different from being, you know, a certified event planner? Like, you know, I'm a CMP or a certified meeting professional of mm-hmm. one type or another. There's so many certifications and so many acronyms and so many letters behind some event professionals names that takes a week just to read it off. So let's give a little bit of like understanding of what that is. So for anyone that's wondering, hey, that's sounds super interesting. I'm curious, what is the background or what is the knowledge, the world of knowledge that needs to happen for me to even pursue something like that? Fantastic question. So certified event producer, CEP, right? If you're looking for the acronym, is somebody that is really focused on the entire holistic piece of not only just the event, but how it actually fits into the game plan of the client. So I mentioned a little bit earlier of how we look look at the entire business. How are we supporting the client in achieving their goals for the year? They're going to be doing a number of events throughout the year. It's not just necessarily a one and done, thank you, ma'am, and off we go. We are looking at the entire business plan and seeing how we can support our clients in being in their own step A and getting them to their own step Z. And in that, we're going to go, okay, so is the end result for you 
to, let's just say, bring on 20 new clients for the year. That's the goal. How in the world are we going to be doing that? Or 20 clients for a quarter, whatever it is for the that number being. So how are we going to support our client in doing so? We're looking at everything. We're going, okay, in order to do that, you need to have a program. How are we selling into the program? How are you currently selling into the program? How are you currently bringing in the leads? Do you know there's actually events that are specific to just lead generation? I can't wait to find out about it because we're <laughs> going to talk about it. I know we're talking about that. But, you know, there's specific, you use certain events throughout the year in order to support your goals and the end goal. So as a certified event producer, we are looking at the entire picture. We're not just coming in and implementing, okay, you want to run an event? Great. Let me go. I can go ahead and do that. It's like, no, no, no. We're putting strategy behind it. Not just like a one-time event. This Mm -hmm. is going to be a 360 all year round series of events, basically. Exactly. Yes. And that's why we have such a high rate of referral business and repeat business is because we're looking at it as the whole entity all its own. And we're utilizing events throughout the year in order to support that end goal. So a certified event producer is looking at that. They're looking at the strategy. They know what's working and what's not working. They are up on all of the newest trends that are happening out there. They're constantly testing out new platforms to see if it's allowing us to do the connection even better. Because in event you need connection, you need community. Without that, your event will not live, honestly. And how do you get that certification or what's the path Mm -hmm. to become either certified or become knowledgeable in that one particular field? Yep. So you can definitely check it out, certifiedeventproducer.com. And what it is, is a program that will take you through all of the event fundamentals. It'll take you through all of the theory. It'll give you how do you engage an audience? How do you find your own clients. How do you engage them? How do you have the strategy session? How do you set up all of your contracts and negotiations? And then what does it look like when you actually are producing the event, whether it's in-person event or it's a virtual event? What does that look like? How are you leading their team? How are you doing things with grace and ease? How are you becoming a chameleon and being a part of their team and kind of integrate yourself? And then how do you continue the repeat business? On top of that, we actually end up doing internships. So you are actually coming in and engaging with actual live events and taking lead on certain types of events and being a part of the team as a whole. So you can see how we're actually doing it. It's kind of like back in the day, you had a lot of people, I think horseshoeing comes to mind where you would actually, I know it's the horse. Why does horseshoeing come to mind? (laughs) Well, a horseshoer, the only way that you can actually become a horseshoer is actually and and practicing it. And you're going with him and you're like, okay, this is how you pick up the foot and this is how you measure it. And this is how you put the nails in. It's just, I wouldn't think of you, Shay, if someone don't know anything about horseshoeing. So here we go. A a very surprising fact. Yeah, I actually grew up with horses. I never wanted to become a horse you, but... you did mention how your family had a branch and I'm sure you learned a few things in the process as well. Horseshoeing <laughs> <laughs> totally. being one of them. Yeah, I know, right. Random thought, right? But again, all of the experiences that you ever have yeah 
always support you in some manner going forward. You just have to look for the stories. You just have to look for the connections. So in those types of situations, I think it's really super important to actually not only learn the theory of it, but to actually get the hands on. And that is somebody that is different than that can just go online and do like certificate type program. This program, being a certified event producer, you are actually getting hours working on events, working on how to actually talk to clients, how to talk to attendees, how to lead people's teams with the support of other certified event producers that have already gone through it. That's the biggest difference. Let's take a brief moment to acknowledge our podcast sponsor and supporter before we dive into some of the best event types to make you the most money because we already know that's what people are here for. They already know how to make the most money with their events. May those be virtual live events or in person. We will be right back with our feature guest. Before we move any further, I wanted to give a quick shout out to our main sponsor, Trifan Events, which is a boutique event planning and production agency that will come alongside you, offering personalized event planning and technical support, strategic event design, production and technology management, and flawless execution for live, virtual, and hybrid events. The team at Trifan Events is passionate about planning and producing event experiences that get people involved with true moments of interaction, engagement, and co-creation, while offering white glove treatment throughout the entire planning process, enabling you to reach your event goals with the use of creativity, production tools, and event technology. Find out how Trifun Events can plan and produce your event become memorable. Go to trifunevents.com. And we are back. We are fascinating featured guest, Shay Wait, a certified event producer of race and East Productions. Well, Shay, it is time to ask the other $1 million question. <laughs> As I alluded earlier, what are some of the best event types then that will make you the most money, the fastest, based on where you are in your business right now? Okay, so if you have a pen and paper handy, you're going to want to write some of these things down. So I've written down personally about 17 different event types that you can be utilizing in your business. You can be doing a 90-minute workshop. You can do a summit, a retreat, a mastermind. You can do a one-day sales and enrollment event. We mentioned earlier, three-day sales and enrollment event, seminars, podcasts. Like this is actually an event. This is an event. She is showing you how an event can be produced, especially from the amazing technical standpoint and brilliance that she brings to the table. I definitely want to pick up her offer to connect with her if you haven't done so already. Okay, so podcasts. I need to hire you, Shay, to be my (laughs) marketing PR person. (laughs) It's true, though. Like, there's a reason we've worked with you because you're brilliant what it is that you do, right? And I only work with amazing people that are going to give my clients crazy awesome results. So side note. And by the way, we will have a free gift for you. Shay has a free gift for you, which basically has a lot of this information in a printable format, I believe, that they can download. And it has a lot of the things that we talked about. So I can't wait to hear more about those event types because I'm taking notes myself right now. Well, and a lot of people don't realize that Facebook Lives, Instagram Lives, Clubhouse Rooms, those are also events. And you've got the bigger ones. You've got the conferences and challenges and hackathons and trade shows and conventions, right? 
However, you're going to utilize these 17 different event types in certain opportunities during your business. So earlier I was telling you about how we look at the entire business as what is the arc of the entire business in order to reach the goals in the end. You're going to be strategic in how you're using these 17 different types of events. For instance, if you're starting out and you're in phase two of events leverage, you're in the visibility phase. In the visibility phase, your primary goal is to do just that, is to gain visibility. So you are going to be using the free platforms, the Facebook Lives, the Clubhouse Rooms, the Instagrams. You're going to be a guest on other people's stages. And when I say other people's stages, that means other people's webinars, other people's podcasts, other people's summits. And you're going to want to look at sponsoring events. And when you sponsor an event, you want to make sure that They have your ideal audience in the audience. It doesn't make sense to go and speak to a bunch of people or a podcast or what have you if it doesn't have your ideal audience, if you can't serve them. So be careful when you're doing your sponsoring events. But notice in visibility in phase two, you're doing the free platforms. You're gaining visibility. You're going out and doing those multiple times. You will never stop doing those in your business. You constantly need to have visibility in your business. And as you mentioned, this is the must do, but it's a free step. I mean, it takes time, but you know, it doesn't cost you anything aside from time. Right. But you do still need to be taking a look at the event fundamentals. So with every single event you're doing, you need to look at number one, the audience and your ticket sales. Number two is your run a show. What is the agenda? What are you going to be talking about? What are the points that people are going to walk away with? What is that event promise that they walk away with at the end of the Facebook Live, at the end of the clubhouse, right? Number three is your offer strategy. So what is the offer? Is the offer to join you and pick up a ticket to your summit? Is the offer to direct message you in order to get your free downloadable? Like what is the offer? And if I can tell you one thing that I see being one of the biggest mistakes for people is they don't have an offer strategy. They don't have a way for people to take the next best step. I was doing a masterclass the other day. I've been doing a lot of masterclasses lately just because people are like, can you teach on this? I'm like, that's amazing. That's awesome. Yeah. Which is also an opportunity. It's a type of event, right? It's a 90 minute workshop. It's a masterclass. Highly recommend masterclasses. And there's a whole offer strategy to that too. However, I digress. So I was in this masterclass teaching it for one of my clients. So I had gone into one of my clients fulfillment events and was teaching them about events. And somebody was like, oh my gosh, I didn't realize you're right. I didn't have an offer strategy. People were coming up to me after the event, after they'd spent so much time and energy and effort and brought on a number of speakers for their summit. People were coming back to me saying, that was so great and amazing. Now what? Right. And if you have to ask that question, that means you don't have a clear path. Why are you there for? Yes, exactly. And from my opinion, you're doing them a disservice because you have the knowledge to support them in getting to their next best step. How dare you not give them an opportunity to say yes or no? That piece is up to them. They can choose yes or no. But how dare you not give them an opportunity, right? 
So that's the third event fundamental. The fourth one is having your support team. So depending on the type of event that you're doing, you know, if you're doing a three-day sales and enrollment event, you're going to need like both of us to support you versus if you're doing a Facebook live, you don't need us to support you. (laughs) Right. I mean, you do definitely need some potential consultation on how to start with that strategy in the first place. Like you just mentioned, because just because you do a Facebook live, doesn't mean it's going to be a successful Facebook live. This is very true. And that's where you can invest in a, you know, VIP day, a half VIP day, get some consulting with individuals like ourselves to support you with that. And then you're off and running into the races. Okay. But you need to have some type of support team, even if on your Facebook lives, if you have a VA, they can drop the link for you. They can make sure that everybody is getting into the Facebook live, things of that nature. Right. And then the fifth one of the event fundamentals is your budget. What is the cost? What does it look like? You're not going to be spending a whole lot of money on a Facebook live per se, or even a masterclass, but you are spending your time. And that is still a valuable piece to take a look at. How are you spending your time, money, and energy? That's still part of your budget. Okay. If you're looking at phase two, that's all about visibility and you're using those free platforms. When you start to move into phase three, that's the grow phase. And in the grow phase, you're going to start increasing your list, increasing your invisibility, creating your own stages, hosting your own masterclasses, your own webinars, your own summits. You're going to be obtaining larger speaker sponsorships because now you actually have money coming into the business. See, so there is a strategy that we're utilizing and moving you from phase to phase to phase. And you might be like, how in the world do I move from each phase to phase to phase? Well, in our downloadable, we'll tell you all the steps that you need to move from phase two to phase three, four, and five. But I want to just make sure that you're aware of how you're utilizing the different types of events based on where you're at in business. So just to give you a heads up, phase four is the scaling phase where you're looking to scale your business and your systems. You're going from a one-on-one conversations into one-to-many model where you're doing the one-day sales and enrollment events. You're doing the retreats. You're doing the workshops. You're having team that's supporting you a lot more. You have the income coming in to support the clients and your team and generate more leads, filling your event and thus filling your programs. And then when you move into phase five, this is leverage. So in leverage, your goal is to stay in your zone of genius, to continue to grow your client base, and then delegate all the other things to your team, establishing systems and really becoming the true CEO of your company. Because when we all start out and we all do this, we are the one that does everything. We're the one that's doing the billing. We're doing the outreach, we're doing the taxes, we're doing the, the, you know, your website, you're doing everything. Oh, trust me. It's like I finally this year came to the conclusion that my time is precious and it needs to be spent in the places that bring me the most joy, but also the places I'm most effective in. Because if it takes me forever to do my taxes because I just hate doing them, probably not a good use of my time. And should not be something that I put my energy into or even the meaningful tasks that are all important. But, you know, behind the scenes, running a business, must I do them all? Or could I just have a team of people do them? I'm telling you, letting go of control is not easy. Oh, my goodness. 
necessary step, as you mentioned, if you're ever going to scale anywhere, Mm -hmm. anytime soon. Yeah, you have to have team. You cannot do this alone. And more often than not, they're better at it than you are. (laughs) It's true. And it's humbling to realize that. Right. But it's releasing that control, right? Because it's like when you start out, it's your baby. Your business is your baby. And you end up going, okay, somebody else here. I'm giving you a piece of the baby. I bet you see this again and again and again with many of your clients when you try to take them through the phases. And some of them, they're just like cringing to control and like, I don't want to. I don't want to. It's my baby. I don't think anybody else will take care of it as much as I care. And you're like, but you have to if you're ever going to grow. Yeah. You know, which one is more important to you, you know? Yep. And if your goal really is to serve more of the masses and whatever it is your mission is, that's the only way to do it is to allow people to support you so you can support the clients and actually put the mask on you before you can actually support other people, right? Serve from your overflow. Absolutely. So what are some of the tested strategy to connecting with future clients and fill your events with predictability following this event phases and the type of events that we mentioned earlier to, Mm -hmm. you know, scale your business, leverage your time in a way that is profitable? Yeah, absolutely. So this is also a writer downer. I love (laughs) this moment, Shay. I love it. Anytime you are hosting an event, especially in the grow phase and above, is you are going to be creating what we call a ticket map. This is all the ways that you plan on filling your event. This is the number one question I get from all of my clients is how in the world am I planning on filling the room? The ticket map is your roadmap for filling your room. And what this is, is it's literally a spreadsheet. And in the spreadsheet, we've got the first column there is the opportunity and all the ticket sources. So are you reaching out to your email list? Are you doing a webinar? Are you doing a sponsorship? Are you doing speaking engagements? Are you doing joint venture partner calls? Are you doing Facebook lives? Like what are all the ways that you're going to be engaging with your audience and making the offer to pick up a ticket to your event? Then the next columns are going to be like, when are those things actually happening? Because we plan it all. So if we're planning an event three months out, we're going to be doing a ticket map of what is happening between now and the event itself that we are going to be engaging the audience. Then you're going to be having a column that has the anticipated number of prospects in the room or on the mailing list if it's your email mailing list. So people that are actually eyeballs that are actually going to be there and see your offer to pick up your ticket to your event. Then you've got your conversion rate because not everybody who sees it is going to say yes. We know that. And then that's going to give you your projected ticket sales. So when you add up all the columns, that's going to give you your number. And then when we actually have that number of the projected amount, we also want to, you know, kind of go over our goal because what happens at events? Not everybody shows up right? And so we want to, let's just say our goal is to have 50 people in the room. That means we're selling 60 or 70 tickets. Yeah. I think at one point, wasn't like for virtual events, it was a 40% that would not show up if you were, you know, you're like basically expect your room to fill with eyes on screen at a 60% rate if you went 100% and marketed your event. Is that still accurate right now? Do you feel like that increased or decreased post COVID? So it depends on a number of different factors. If you are doing a free ticket to your event, 
then yeah, expect about a 60% show up rate, maybe a little bit less. But even with that, we can increase the show up rate. So how are you engaging the audience before they actually show up to the event? Are you doing email reminders? Are you doing like a robo call that's like, hey, this is Shay. I'm super excited that you're going to be joining our masterclass coming up on Tuesday. Just want to confirm that you've got all the details, so on and so forth. Are you engaging them with maybe a request of going, hey, I'm excited you're coming to the masterclass. I want to know your questions. Reply to this email. I want to make sure that I answer and have prepared all of the questions that you guys have before I actually come into the event so I can tailor it to those who are showing up. Another opportunity is we know that people don't show up. We know that people are busy. And so in the series of where they, the landing page where they do the opt-in to say, yes, I'm coming to the event. I'm interested. Send me the details to the next page is like, congratulations. You know, I'm super excited you're coming. I know life is crazy. I know life can get busy. If you're really interested and, you know, maybe you can't come the whole time, go ahead and sign up for a call with me right now, right? So we're collecting people to still connect with one-on-one, which is the objective of that event is to connect with them one-on-one. So even if they don't show up to the event, we can still talk to them one-on-one. So it depends on what your engagement is throughout the event and leading up to the event. So we tend to see our clients having higher show ratios because we implement those certain things and add that strategy to the entire repertoire of the event sequence. I love that you mentioned that because many times, you know, people when they hear, oh, do a Facebook live and they're like, yeah, that's what I'm going to do next. And then nobody shows up because Mm -hmm. you haven't done any of the prior work into getting those eyes on screen. And what are some types of maybe strategies to implement there would maybe having a Facebook group help or maybe having some type of a Facebook page or something that connects you with your potential new clients where they consistently get that visibility where you're talking to them throughout this time of engagement Mm -hmm. versus the one day when you're going to have your event. Because a lot of people, you know, expect to have this one event one time and then everybody's going to want to be there, which rarely actually happens. Right, exactly. So the reason I was saying earlier, visibility is a constant, consistent thing you're doing in your business is because it's that. It's not just when you're hosting an event. It's something that you are doing continuously ongoing. So you are constantly moving people into your list. You're constantly moving them into your Facebook group. You're constantly moving them into ways that are outside of just social media, because should social media go off to the side and not ever be here anymore, you have them some other place. So my suggestion is if you're looking to fill your event, you are utilizing Facebook lives, clubhouse rooms, Instagram lives as a piece of your ongoing visibility. So sometimes you're going to be sending them to an opt-in. Sometimes you're going to be sending them to a strategy session. Sometimes you're going to be sending them to the upcoming event that you have, but it's something that is consistent. And when you're consistent, that's when the eyeballs and the algorithms and everything starts seeing, oh, you're not just a one trick pony. You're not going to show up just this one time, you're consistent. You're constantly giving value to our community. And that's when the algorithms continue to push you out there. So your visibility does increase. 
I love it. Well, before we come to an end here, and this was a lot of actionable information and strategies that all of the listeners today can take home and apply to some of their business and offers and future events. Who knows what comes out of this? I'm super excited of everything that we just talked. And there's so much more to be said about everything, right? But as we're coming to an end, I would love to switch gears for just a moment because this is our season. The current season that we're in is Women Behind the scenes and events and event productions. And I like to ask every single one of my featured guests this question. So from your vantage point of view, what would be some of the unknown opportunities for women or female identifying people that want to pursue a career in this field that you have found your place, you have found your tribe in? Yeah, honestly, there are not a lot of certified event producers out in the world. There deserves to be more that can actually do the strategy that can actually support the client in looking at their business from a holistic standpoint and perspective that I feel we deserve to have more people supporting them in. There's so many coaches and speakers and experts out in the world. You see new ones popping up every single day. What you don't see are the ones that can actually take them as a visionary and help them implement a strategic game plan and creating a business that allows them to reach the masses that they so desperately want to help and serve. So from my perspective, I feel that we deserve to have more certified event producers in the world. And I know you might be going, well, doesn't that take away from like your business? No, it doesn't. Because and that's where the abundant mindset comes in. Because I mean, Shay would love to do business with the entire world. But the reality is <laughs> she might not be capable to do all of that, even if her team was all over the world, right? I, I love that. Yeah, and it's true. I mean, I have people that are very specific. They only want to work with health and fitness people. They have certified event producers that only want to work on sales and enrollment events. There's certified event producers that only want to work in the corporate space. There's certified event producers, you know, so there's so many different niches that you can be in. And even within that niche, you still have abundance within that because there's still so many more speakers, coaches, experts out there than there are people that that can take that vision and help them implement it so that they can get crazy awesome results, not only for yourself, but also for your clients. And then also it just kind of ripple effects into their clients and potential clients as well. Love it. Well, that's an opportunity and also a piece of advice right mm -hmm. there. You got two in one. How about that offer right there? <laughs> Well, Shay, this was an amazing conversation. Thank you so much for sharing everything that you have. And I know there's so much more to add to that. In closing, I just want to have you share places that our audience can connect with you if they would like to learn more and get into some of those masterclasses that you are producing. Yeah, absolutely. We're having lots of fun with them. So one of the ways is our website is graceandeaseproductions.com. You can also find us on social media, Grace and Ease Productions or Shea Wheat at Shea Wheat. Those are a number of different ways to reach us on social media. You can also email us support at shaywheat.com. And then for those of you that are interested in learning really the details of how to go through the phases of event leverage, my gift for your audience here today is for them to go to five 
phases.info, and that's spelling out the word five, F-I-V-E, phases with an S, dot info, forward slash events dash demystified. And we will have that into the episode notes as well. I was going to put it on the screen here, but Shay was too fast saying it. But that's going to be uh, an amazing uh, downloadable resource for you if you're interested to scale your business, leverage your time guide. It's a guide that will help you learn which type of event you should be focusing on right now in your business phase that you're in. Well, this is it for today's episode. Shay, thank you so much for all the amazing knowledge that you have shared with our guests today. I hope that everyone listening enjoyed it as much as I did. Also got to know you a little bit better. And I hope that you stay tuned. Do subscribe for our episodes coming up every Friday. And until then, Shay, have a wonderful holiday season. And I look forward to connecting with you in all the other places that we happen to interact. LinkedIn, social media, and the website that you just mentioned. Thank you so much. Have an amazing rest of your day everybody thank you thank you for listening to the events demystified podcast if you enjoyed this podcast please take a moment to review it rate it and share it with other event professionals that could benefit from it connect with us on social at events demystified podcast we would love to hear from you and what you're up to if you'd like to learn more about tree fan event services and find out if we're a good fit in supporting your event can we help your event be successful with a 20-minute free consultation link in the episode's notes thanks for tuning in